It's time to swarm the 402. Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their point. But they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Cornhusker, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go! All right, welcome back to the Nebraska Hawks Nest, your Hawkeye Oasis located in a Nebraska desert. Make sure to take time out of your day, hit the like and subscribe button because you know how agitated Jerry gets if our followers don't continue to grow every single week. Luckily for us today, we have from the Big Ten Network, Dave Revson, sir. Thank you for taking time to come on the Nebraska Hawks Nest today. My pleasure, Adam. My pleasure, I should say, Adam and Jerry. Uh, happy to be on with you. <laughs> uh, we're definitely super excited. Um, we really, with you, you've had a pretty interesting career, Dave, and we really want to start from the beginning. Um, what really got you on the path to your role at the at the Big Ten Network? Um, what are some of the important roles that you've had along the way, and uh, is this something that you grew up really wanting to do? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll start with the last part first. Definitely grew up uh, wanting to be a sportscaster. I grew up in suburban Chicago and kind of at the height of, I think, the sportscasters in Chicago being just important figures in the city. When I was a little kid, Harry Carey was the White Sox play-by-play guy. Jack Rickhouse did the Cubs, and then Harry moved across town. The local sportscasters were amazing. Um, you had Johnny Morris, who'd been on the 63 Bears. He was at the CBS affiliate. Uh, the NBC had Topic, who was one of the absolute fathers of sports talk and, and loved to stir things up. And Tim Weigel, who's a, just a comic genius, was at Channel 7. Then Mark Gene Greco came to Channel 5. So, uh, you know, play-by-play-wise, anchors, all that stuff. Uh, Pat Foley was doing the Blackhawks, as he still is. Uh, in its last year, so it, it just felt like kind of the there was a sportscaster heaven, and I was one of those kids. I was five or six years old, and I would literally write down the lineups and turn down the sound on the my little black and white TV and announce baseball games in my room. So I mean, literally at age six, I, I started doing that. So yeah, I always um, you know kind of grew up wanting to do this. Did some other stuff professionally for a couple of years out of college. I, I just decided to kind of give it a shot that I would, you know, maybe hate myself if I didn't make the effort to to see where sportscasting might take me. And did a small market gig for a couple of years in Texas in a town called Sherman. I went from there to the Quad Cities. So I was in 
Uh, I lived in Davenport, but worked in Rock Island. I was at the CBS affiliate Mm -hmm. uh, in the Quad Cities for a year and then went from there to ESPN when they launched ESPN News. I was one of the original hires for that. There were about 13 or 14 of us who were hired in that group. Um, Myself, uh, Greeny was part of that group. Uh, John Butchigross is still there. Other than those two, I don't think anyone's still there. David Lloyd came not too long after that, but we had a really good group. Um, and then you just kind of worked your way through. And, and I made it known when I was there that I really had a passion for college sports and so got some opportunities, whether it was, um, you know, kind of pregame halftime uh, for college basketball and uh, the wrap-up show on on Saturdays uh, on ESPN. That kind of became, for college basketball, that kind of became my little domain and then doing uh, the college game day radio show, which I did for six years, the first three years with with Mel Kuyper, and then uh, the last couple of years with Donardo and Todd McShay. And then when the Big Ten Network launched, they kind of started recruiting me and, and you know, kind of made the pitch of where I want to come home and have a chance to to head up this network and be their lead guy. And and honestly. Didn't think I was particularly interested. I, I really had no intention of leaving ESPN, but I came and I interviewed with them and kind of realized it would be a great fit. And, and so I was their first pioneer hire. That was in 2007, fall of 2007. This is our 15th year of the Big Ten Network. Kind of hard to believe. Yeah. yeah. So, Dave, our crack research staff, uh, you were from Chicago, but you went to Glenbrook North, correct? I did. And our correct research staff came up with information. We pay them a lot of money to come up with this information. <laughs> Tons. But Glenbrook North. budget operation, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> it yeah. is. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Glen, Glenbrook North High School, for those who are not familiar with it, was the scene of two famous movies back in the 80s known as The Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Is that correct? It is. So uh, the Breakfast Club was based on Glenbrook North. John Hughes went to Glenbrook North. So okay. that's kind of why the, there is the Glenbrook North connection. Wow. So the Breakfast Club was based on a Saturday detention concept that they had there when he was in school. It uh, was not actually filmed at Glenbrook North, but Ferris oh, okay. Bueller's Day Off was filmed at Glenbrook North. And it was while I was in school. It was filmed um, my sophomore and junior year. I know dozens of people who are in the movie as extras, uh, I say somewhat ironically, on the day that they were, were one of the days that you had to be there to do the shoots, I had, I was in a play, and we had play <laughs> rehearsal, and so I couldn't go, but like anyone could be in it, like you could have gone and been an extra, like there's a scene where they're running during a gym class in the background, uh, so they were doing that after school one day, there's a couple of scenes in hallways where they used extras, but yeah, and not only that, but then my senior year is when it came out, and we got the first North American screening was really? for Glenbrook North High School only. Wow. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. And and so, and to think that it has become like this, I mean, and you know, like the water tower where the water tower in town said Save Ferris, that was the water tower in Northbrook. They literally <laughs> painted Save Ferris on it. Really? Uh, so yeah, so it's pretty cool. That's uh, definitely one of the claims to fame along with uh, – you know, John Shire and Chris Collins being Glenbrook North grads uh, to Mr. Basketballs. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say, yeah, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is, is probably our uh, our greatest claim to fame. So were you more apt to be in detention or were you more apt to just skip <laughs> school and not get caught? Uh, no, I was actually, uh, this won't surprise you. I, I, I was not a, I wasn't a detention guy. I was pretty straight arrow. 
Yeah. Uh, so you were like the Anthony, you were like the Anthony Michael Hall character. That I was, actually, yeah, that got in yeah, detention I, by accident. Yeah. Yes, I would have been the guy who was really embarrassed to be there. So. <laughs> well, if I can, uh, just one more question, then that was our fun. But um, you also uh, came from Northwestern University. And something I guess I've ran by some people. I thought maybe I'd lived under a rock, but what is it about Northwestern University's broadcasting school and sportscasters? You mentioned Greeny, you mentioned, you know, Michael Wilbon, Kurt Menefee, you know, Rich Eisen. The list goes on and on. And, you know, I guess educate us more. What is it about Northwestern and the way they can, you know, their school and, and specializing in sports broadcasting, especially? Well, what's interesting in my case, Jerry, is I did not major in broadcast. I was not in the School of Journalism or the School of Communications. I was in Arts and Sciences. I was a history major. Okay. But um, I worked at the radio station. And the radio station, even then, I mean, it was unbelievable. So, like, the group of guys, Greeny didn't do it, which I always give him grief for. Like, I literally have no idea who he was. I never knew who he was at school. He was yeah. two years ahead of me. Not only did I not know him, no one knew him. So, uh, <laughs> quietly plotting his, uh, his takeover of the sportscasting world has since become one of my extremely close friends. But we did not know each other. But um, Josh Lewin was at the radio station when I was there. Uh, Jay Adande was at the radio yeah. station. Uh, Glenn Geffner, who's the voice of the Miami Marlins, was wow. there. I mean, it was really an amazing group. So I always felt like I was maybe like the sixth best guy in my college radio station. <laughs> and, and I think that was part of why I had some trepidation early kind of post-college of whether or not I would go into it. Cause I'm like, you know, I really felt like well, I'm not the best guy in my college radio station. Like I'm really going to be able to do this professionally as to why, you know, Northwestern has been so successful. I mean, you know, Brad Musburger obviously was one, one of the big guys, Will Bond, you mentioned it. It's, it's really an amazing list. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, part of it just builds on itself, probably similar to Syracuse, right? Where then people who are interested in it go there. Um, obviously, Medill is a great journalism school. So for those who are in Medill, I do think that's part of it. And a lot of those people are, are communication, radio, TV, film, whatever it might be. We had a great college radio station and we did all the games. I mean, so when I was at Northwestern, in my four years there, Northwestern won six football games total. Mm -hmm. uh, four, I believe it was four conference games, three of which were against Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, right? Like you people forget how bad Wisconsin was. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Half the football wins in my four years were against Wisconsin. And they won six conference basketball games total. There were three wow. years of two wins and one year of zero wins. So <sighs> so needless to say, there wasn't like a bunch of people beating down the door uh, to do the games commercially. They did have a a commercial station which covered them, which they had not in, in the 70s. In the, in the 70s, late 70s, the student radio station was the only station that covered Northwestern games. Really? In the, in the early 80s, they got a, a TV deal, or a radio deal, I should say. Um, and the greatest thing was the radio deal was initially with a, a station whose call letters were W-A-I-T. <laughs> that was, that was the call letters of the radio station. Hmm. So it was highly symbolic. Uh, but but even when I was in school, so by the time I was in school, I think WGN was doing the games. And obviously, it's a blowtorch station that, that Iowa ended up at, for that matter. So it, it was better. But we had a lot of games where we were the only ones who did them. Like I did a game uh, from Cameron Indoor Stadium at Duke where they did not send like the commercial station. WGN didn't broadcast it. So we got a lot of opportunities to do games. I don't know whether that had anything to, to do with why people would come there, 
but we really ran like a great operation. We ran, we got a deal going with, uh, with American airlines where they flew us to do games in exchange oh, wow. for us giving their, uh, wow. you know, putting their name on the pregame show. And so it was pretty cool. And the coaches were great. Bill Foster was a basketball coach. He was an unbelievable guy. Really treated us uh, like pros. Uh, Francis Pay was a football coach, treated us with a lot of respect too. So I had a really good experience, even though the, the teams we were covering were dreadful. And I, I think it made you better. It made you, you had to do your research. You kind of had to know a lot about the other team mm-hmm. too, and you had to have a good sense of what was going on throughout the league. So it was a, it was an incredible opportunity. Um, but as you know, as to the why, I, I don't know, other than I, I guess I would just say it's a really good tool and, and it has a good reputation for that. And, and I think, you know, much like Missouri, much like Syracuse, some of these other schools, it just kind of perpetuates itself. Well, Dave, as much as we love Coach Ferentz at Iowa, he's not the most dynamic interview out there. We all know that. <laughs> Coach knows that. It's it's well documented. Out of all the interviews that you've been a part of or done yourself, what are some of the coaches that you get the most excited to build an interview that are the most engaging and most entertaining guys out there? Well, I will say about Kirk, I mean, Kirk is a wonderful human being. Oh, he is. A great guy. And I mean, I understand he's not, you know, I mean, like you say, he would be the first to acknowledge, you know, it's not always yeah. the highest energy or whatever. Man, he is a great guy. Yeah. He's been such a gentleman and such an unbelievable pleasure for us to work with. I mean, one of the things I will say, and I will eventually answer your question, but one of the things that's been really cool about this job that I did not understand when I went into it, it's kind of accidentally dawned on me along the way. These schools are really important to the fans. And you guys certainly are keenly aware of that. And so you really become, I think, in our role, you become a steward, I think, in a lot of ways. And and I think there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. You, you are, for many fans who are, particularly those who are kind of displaced or away from their school, you're an Iowa fan who lives in California, and you don't get a chance to go back to Iowa City more than once every year or two. The Big Ten Network has become a lifeline for these fans. Mm-hmm. And everywhere that I go, I mean, people will come up to me and really thank us for the job that we do. And I did not see that coming. And it's incre- I see it as an incredible responsibility. And, and representing, you know, kind of our network and conduct ourselves in, in a way that um, – you know, puts our best foot forward, that understands these schools, understands their history, the fan base, what's important to them, like all of those things. And and then the other part of that is that you feel like you have a kinship with the program. And so I'll use Kirk as an example, and that's kind of why I went down this road. He's been so welcoming to us. You know, like he just uh, – and, of course, we've had the same analysts the entire time, which is amazing and, and yeah. pretty much unheard of. Yeah. In this business, right? Jerry and Howard have been there the whole time. Joshua has been with us now for the last few years. But, you know, we're there at camp every year. They see how hard we work to get the information that we need and to understand, okay, like who's on the two deep and to ask good questions and understand, okay, well, who is Arlen Bruce and who's Keegan Johnson? Why might these guys be important players this year? That I take that as a responsibility. We only have 14 teams to know. But, but the flip side of it is how welcoming they've been. So in kind of a long-winded way of getting to that, you know, we, we've, man, we've just had incredible experiences with the coaches in this league. You know, who are the best interviews? 
don't know. I mean, you know, you got a lot of, we've had a lot of fun guys. Um, we haven't really had anyone who's treated us poorly. And I, I just think that's kind of been a, to me, that's been the, the bigger thing. Um, you know, Izzo's a, a great guy. I, I think like, I think about like the coaches I love to, to sit down with in the league. Certainly he's really high on the list. I love Fran. Uh, you know, he'll, he's a straight shooter. He's funny. He'll give you a ton of time. You know, you go to shoot around and Fran will sit down and run through everyone on his team and, and give you kind of the unvarnished truth. I loved Richard Patino. I still do. Uh, he, you know, again, there's a guy who came into it thinking, uh, I don't know, you know, his, his dad, I'd done a couple of his dad's games and his dad wasn't very forthcoming and, I never really felt like he was all that interested in, in chatting with the ESPN announcer, but man, Richard's just over the top. Great guy. Uh, Fred Hoiberg's unbelievable. You know, like I can just go down the list. I mean, it's, it's like, there's just been very few guys who have been difficult to deal with. And it's been an incredible pleasure for me on, on that front. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want you to speak highly of Fred Hoiberg because when I played varsity basketball in Des Moines, he ruined my senior night as a sophomore. So <laughs> well, they, they destroyed they destroyed us when the won the league title and I, you know, on senior yeah. night and I had to but anyway. But anyway, uh Dave, you know, on that note though, I mean, when it comes to the Big Ten network and your relationship with the coaches, so how much is that as a two-way street? Because it's not you're you're not just but I mean for them it's gotta be a recruiting tool as well. I mean, having this network television coverage that you do. So I mean I mean, how much of a two-way street kind of partnership is that as your job progresses and, and moves along? I think that's a big part of it. I will tell you, Jerry, I think that's really evolved. So I would say, like, at the beginning, I think there was some suspicion. And, and first of all, if you remember, the first year was very challenging, right? Because we weren't on every cable provider. And so there were games that would be on, and then fans were saying, well, we can't see the games. And so it was a challenge. And everyone kind of had to be this united front saying, hey, this is going to work out. And this is for the best thing for the league in the long run. And uh, but so that first year it was they were hearing it from fans, particularly the places where the deals weren't done, the cable deals. And then they didn't really know what to make of us. So I, I think you really I felt like I had to build trust. And, and I worked really hard, partly with the coaches, partly with the sports information staffs. But again, getting to know the athletic directors when it was possible, getting to know university presidents, just kind of everywhere we went trying to help people understand that it was a partnership and that um, while we were, you know, Hey, we need to be critical. And if a team's not good, we're not going to pretend they're good. Um, but that we do have the best interests of the league. Like when the league succeeds, we succeed and we want to tell good stories. And even if you have a bad team, you might have a good story and tell us who those kids are. You know, I think the journey has been a huge part of that, oh, yeah. um, which is a program that I feel incredibly strongly about. They, they Bill Friedman, his staff do an amazing job and and again, like that, hey, this is it's a partnership. And and so I do feel like that that two way street, the schools that have recognized it. And, and I think we're really at the point where everyone has. I, I think it took some schools longer than others and, and probably some schools felt like they could capitalize off of it more than others or maybe needed it more than others at the beginning. But now I think everyone sees the power of the network. Anyone who wants to get it can get it. I, I think that's. You know, one of the great things is, again, it does connect people. So we really get incredible cooperation from the schools. But but again, I, we've worked really hard at it. And it's it's something I think about constantly is kind of how I'm representing the network and and just helping these coaches and players and everyone understand that that this is their home and that we are their partner. 
So, Dave, you mentioned the show uh, BTN The Journey, which is one of all, all, the, all the Big Ten fans' favorite shows. I don't think too many people ever miss that when that comes out. But the one thing that fans of the Big Ten have said pretty consistently uh, about the Big Ten Network is we'd love to see more original programming from the network. Um, what are the odds or likelihood that there's going to be more original programming down the pipeline in the coming years? Something like Big Ten Treasure Hunter that – um, you know, I'm a little biased, but I hear constantly from people that they miss that show and loved watching it. Um, is there any chance a show like that could come back or anything down the pipeline soon? Well, I say this, Adam, I'm not in programming, um, but I do know that uh, the new president of the network, Francois McGillicuddy, is an incredible guy. Uh, he is really bullish on original programming and it's storytelling is a huge tentpole for him for the network and and again as i mentioned bill freeman earlier does a great job you know we've we've had some documentaries that have been really well received um campus eats continues to be really popular for us and uh is debuting i think it's its fourth season now so I, they're constantly thinking of of different ideas and new ideas treasure hunter was a really good show for us and, and you know, as to whether or not something like that will come back again that's not really my domain but but we are kind of I think there is a, a keen understanding that there's an appetite for that. And, and again, you know, a lot of those shows, I mean, one of the great things about those shows is they can run forever. I mean, they're really great programming kind of, Hey, in the, you know, in the middle of the day um, you can put one of those on and, and people do watch them. I mean, I look at the yeah. ratings and it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's great. It's how much people like it. So there's a balancing act. I mean, live events are always going to be the most important thing that we do. Right. I mean, that is kind of our the, the reason for our existence is those games. But then the shoulder programming around it, whether it's original programming or studio programming, that stuff's really important. And it's it's a great way to drive people to network. My area is much more the studio programming, but but definitely understand the importance of the original as well. Yeah. So, Dave, I got an idea for a show I'd like to pitch you. And if you want to take it to your people. I think okay. you guys should do a show on podcasts of the Big Ten operating from <laughs> rival territory. Oh, I, I, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe there's more out there, but I mean, we, you know, we'll volunteer at Adam's the face of the venture. I mean, we, you know, he, he, he fit really well in one of those episodes. I think, That's I think it could be the pilots. So that sounds like gold. <laughs> uh, it, it does. Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually, I mean, like, I do think that part of what is really cool in this day and age, and I talk a lot with students, obviously you guys are far older than that, but students trying to break <laughs> in, kind of one of my, that's one of my passions is, is talking to young people about this business. Yeah. One of the things I said is, I mean, you know, the barriers to entry are, are so much more minimal than they used to be, right? I mean, it used to be that you had to do what I did. You, you had to drop everything and move to Sherman, Texas and say, okay, I'm going to, you, you know, I'm going to start trying to work my way up in this business. And I do think like, it's great that, that there are, there are a ton of podcasts now. There are so many different opportunities for people who are passionate about these teams to, to show their passion and share it with other people. And that is an, it's amazing. It's an incredible development. So 
Uh, you know, maybe there is. Maybe it's not that narrow and focused story. Maybe it's just <laughs> You guys just keep talking to us every week because nobody else is, you know, Adam oh. and I are the only guys that aren't smart enough not to do one from the uh, rival territory. <laughs> good thing. Good thing the barriers have been removed. We probably would have like blown an ACL trying to jump those barriers. <laughs> But seriously, you know, I always, you know, David, you and I are about the same age. And so, you know, one of the big trivia questions, you know, and people may not necessarily realize it, one of the big trivia questions, you know, what what was the first video played on MTV? And, you know, and and that's always, a, well, most people don't probably don't realize you uttered the first words on the Big Ten Network. I mean, you were, I, you know, you were the first words, I believe it was, you know, basically the introduction to the network when it came on. But what mm-hmm. were your first thoughts when it was pitched to you? I know you said it was an opportunity to be, you know, to come back. But what were your first thoughts when they were coming forward? Because you, uh, I think the Mountain West was the only network that had a conference only. What were yeah. you thinking when they pitched this to you? And what were your thoughts about an, a, a conference only uh, network? Well, again, I mean, just to be brutally honest, right? So um, I was my contract was up at ESPN. I was going on my fourth contract. I wasn't crazy about some aspects of the offer they made me. And so I was like, I'm just going to see what else is out there. And so the Big Ten Network had reached out and I'll go talk to them. But I really went into it just with the notion of I just want to get an offer from these guys. Uh, and and then I'm literally 10 minutes in the conversation. Um, and we, they start pitching. And the, the guy I met with originally was um, Leon Schwire, who was our original executive producer. Just a super guy who sadly passed away here in, in the last few months. But I uh, swam at Purdue. Really an amazing guy. And we're 10 minutes into this lunch that they had flown me out for. And I went from kind of going, well, I'll just try to get an offer from these guys to, wow, this sounds unbelievable. Like he started, first of all, I didn't realize the only person they were talking to. Um, and, you know, that there was like this lead role and that they wanted me to play that role. I didn't realize there'd be play-by-play involved. I didn't understand there was a 24-7, 365-day-a-year network. Like I kind of thought it was more along the lines of what they were doing with that kind of ESPN regional that, um, you know, where the games were before, you know, kind of that old Raycom and all, you know, all those syndicated games. Like, I, I, guess I just didn't know what was what it was. And so once he explained what it was and and the role they envisioned for me, I, I went very quickly. I, I tell the story a lot was um, they were in a temporary office on Michigan Avenue, not where we are now. I went to lunch with him. We walked back to the office. We talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, I, I was um, flying back to Connecticut. Uh, the next day, I went to see my parents after that. But so I was supposed to fly back to, to Connecticut the next day. And uh, I called, I went into like, I w- went to Water Tower Place right there on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. I went into one of the big department stores and I went to the women's section, like the women's dresses, so that no one would have any idea who I was, which maybe is too stereotypical, right? But I was like, <laughs> who, you know, who in this area over here is going gonna, is gonna to have any interest in, uh, in, in broadcast television sports? And I, I went over to the corner. I called my wife and she says, hey, how are you doing? We've got two kids at home, you know, three kids at home, two infants. They're crying, you know, whatever the background is. Like, hey, uh, I know this, um, this might catch you off guard, but I think I kind of like this job. And uh, she pauses for a second. And she says, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, but like, let me tell you about it. Like, I think it'd be really good. And uh and and she she bought in she's been you know unbelievable we were really happy in connecticut you know we we liked it there and um so yeah i i i think it but 
I quickly realized like it was a great fit. And then I, ca I came back out a few weeks later and had dinner with Mark Silverman, who was the first president at work, who's just the best. And, uh, and Mr. Delaney, and they really sold me on it too. And, and, you know, kind of shared their vision for what it could be. And, and I, you know, I kind of came out of that, like, Hey, I'm going wherever these guys are going. These guys are amazing. And, uh, it, it, and I had high expectations for it. I don't think you leave a job like the one that I had if you don't believe that the one you're going to is going to be good. Mm -hmm. But it has even exceeded my expectations. It's just I, I had no idea that it would kind of really revolutionize college sports television in a lot of ways. It really has. And obviously the fact that everyone has a, all the you know power conferences have followed suit. And I guess other than the, the Big 12, but, but there are four college sports networks total now, uh, conference uh, networks and, and just kind of the way that it's it's changed the landscape. So I don't think I anticipated that, but but I, I thought it was the right move for me. I never had a moment of hesitation. One of the things that was really weird was when it was announced that I was leaving, um, typically when you leave ESPN, certainly in that day, like that was it. They kind of, you, you announced and you pack up your desk and someone walks you out. Um, but they did not do that with me. I had another month left on my contract and it was a while until I was going to start. And they were like, you know, we'd love to continue having you on the air if you're comfortable with that. And, um, you know, don't want to make this acrimonious in any way. And and so they were great. So I went back and I was on ESPN for the next month. And I, so, you know, you're on campus there and I have a million people that I love there. And I just I, I loved the people there. And you'd run into people, I hear you leaving again, you know, and, but I never had a moment where I was like, am I making the right move or is this the right thing? I, I think that was just a piece of it. It just kind of felt like it was, was the right move at the right time for me. And, um, and yeah, it's just worked out great. Dave, just from a personal standpoint, um, I really want to get your thoughts with, on conference realignment in regards to the Big Ten. There's a lot going on right now. Things have obviously calmed down a little bit since the season started. But with Oklahoma and Texas eventually moving to the SEC, um, just from your personal experiences and being a lot with your you know, ear closer to the grindstone than the rest of us are, um, what are your thoughts on potential expansion for the Big Ten? Do you feel like that's something you think is going to happen down the road, or do you really see with this alliance that um, a lot of all of us are going to stay put and, and stay pretty similar to what we are now? Well, you never say never, Adam. I mean, I think the one thing that we've all learned, those of us who follow college athletics, is none of us have any idea what's going to happen. However, I would say my sense is that it's pretty stable right now from the Big Ten's point of view, just because the kind of the way that this landscape is right now. You have to add someone who brings more value than what you have to pay them to be in your league. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money in, in the Big Ten's case. It's a lot of money in all of these leagues cases. And so is there a school out there that would bring you an extra $60 million a, a year in revenue or whatever it's going to be in, in this next contract by the sheer nature of them being in the conference? You know, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think there's anyone that, that we would know of. Now, again, things could change. And, and so who knows? But I think the alliance allows you to expand without expanding. I think what it does is it gives you a better TV package, allows you to play these ACC games and these Pac-12 games. And at this point, really, it's about what you go to the marketplace with. What What is the schedule that you're selling to whoever these TV partners are going to be? Um, and if you can show them, not only are we going to have these really good conference matchups, but, oh, hey, you know, every once in a while we're going to have, Ohio State play Clemson or 
Michigan play Oregon or, you know, whatever it's going to be, um, you know, th those are, those games matter. Those games bring value. So I think right now that that's my sense. I, I think originally, look, you know, Commissioner Delaney, I mean, we were on the air with this whatever year was, eight, nine, ten years ago. I, I lose track of time because I'm getting so uh, old. But, um, you know, when he came on our network and we announced that scheduling alliance with Pac-12, and, and at that time he said this is a way to expand without expanding, and then it fell through, um, mainly because Stanford and USC were already playing Notre Dame, and they felt like, okay, we're playing nine conference games, and we're playing Notre Dame. Now you're telling us we might have to play Iowa or State yeah. or whoever it is. Like, oh, that's too much. So, but you know, this is a different day and age. And and so I think now there's an understanding that, okay, you know, like strategically this this kind of makes sense and, and it positions their league better. And so I, my sense is that's where it's going. But again, if I woke up tomorrow and someone told me that, that there was gonna be expansion, I I, I don't think anything would, would surprise me anymore. So, so, Dave, from a layperson perspective, like us fans in the Big Ten, you know, people always say, well, if you do expand, it'll be this team because of this or this team because of this. How heavily, I mean, can you elaborate? How heavy is, like in the Big Ten, the additional TV sets? I know that was the biggest, that was a big discussion with Rutgers and Maryland when they came on because yeah. they were getting these huge markets. As the Big Ten maybe looks to expansion, how heavy does the TV market weigh into their decisions, do you think? Or, I mean, do you know? Well, again, I, I don't really think that's, it's not totally my domain. I mean, I would say you expand for different reasons, though. I mean, I would say, like, and again, I know I'm on an Iowa podcast, but you guys live in Nebraska. <laughs> you understand the power of, of Nebraska's brand and yeah. what Nebraska has meant in the landscape, particularly of college football through the years. And, and obviously, I haven't had a great run here recently, but but I still think there's a ton of value there. And so that wasn't a that wasn't a play that was about that's that was a play that was about a brand and about strengthening your league and, and getting, you know, one of the 10 winningest programs of all time into your conference. Rutgers, Maryland, probably was more about, and I don't know if it's specifically about the television sets, but like it is about being in that area of the country where the population base is growing. And, and that is a, a really um, significant area in terms of, um, you know, uh, potential students, I just say, you know, I would use the example like mm -hmm. my, my cousin lives in New Jersey. His daughter's a freshman in Illinois. I really think there's something to that. Like it, there felt like a connection now. I, I go there because Rutgers in the Big Ten, maybe, maybe not. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that's why she went there. But but it doesn't seem as as far out there now, I, I think, as it might have seemed. And, and I think it helps recruiting, certainly, for all these schools in terms of sports, right? I mean, there are a ton of players in New Jersey. There are a ton of players in the the DMV area, DC and Maryland and Virginia. And so I, I do think on a lot of different levels, like that makes sense. So above and beyond how many additional television homes the Big Ten is in or how many yeah. more homes you have potentially for your games. I, I, I just think you need to be in places where there are more people. And, and so I do think that that move made sense for that reason. Whereas maybe a Nebraska move makes sense for for different reasons. You know, sorry, Adam, I'm cut you off real quick here. But on the, no. uh, could you see the Big Ten going West Coast? Could you see a coast to coast footprint in the Big Ten potentially down the road, or do you think that's? I mean, getting I guess again, I just never say never. I, I just think it just depends where the rest of the the world goes. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think right now there's still at least somewhat marginally a regional component to this. There's certainly a regional component in the Big Ten. Big Ten is an all contiguous state. 
some other leagues, maybe that's not totally the case. Um, but that is the case <clears> with the Big Ten. And so does the Big Ten feel that being in all contiguous states is important? I mean, it seems like right now it does. Were the landscape to shift? Could you get into a place where maybe it's not as important? Maybe. But but again, you know, no, no one comes to me for long range planning. <laughs> yeah. they well, maybe they should, the Dave. Show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They need to get on that, Dave. Come on, really we want to. We want to yeah. hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, spreadsheets. They really need to see Adam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely, and I have like the greatest Jim Delaney story of all time. I don't know. I'm like, maybe I should wait to share this one off the air, but it's it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> he is a great guy. So I um I just you know long story short. We uh, won um, this really high-level ho- uh, package when Iowa made it to the Rose Bowl. And we were staying in a hotel that about $1,300 a night hotel. Little wow. out of my price range. Little yeah. out of my price range. Yeah, so you're, we go- you're normally 1100 and on down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just a few yeah. hundred over the cap. And then, and then I walked out. And so they have these beautiful facilities at this okay. hotel. Absolutely beautiful. I'm like, I'm taking full advantage of these. I'm going down to the gym. They got a steam room. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing ever. I walk into the steam room and the one person sitting down... <laughs> In the steam room, Jim Delaney sitting there hanging out. And I said, Mr. Delaney, how are we doing, sir? You could see the disappointment on his eyes that somebody recognized him. And, and I, said, I was like, sir, very nice to meet you. Don't worry, I'm going to totally leave you alone. And I said, I'd, I'd ask you if we could take a selfie right now, but I think I know the answer to that question. <laughs> That's a little bit over that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's over the line. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He said. He said that might not really go well for me. A picture of me and another shirtless, sweaty guy going out on social media probably wouldn't go well. So, and then he realized he forgot his glasses, so I had to go into the weight room and help him find his sweatshirt that he wore down there. So, <laughs> great, great story. So, yeah. So, lightning in this. That's that's a good way to start lightening it up, you know, Dave. But kind of on a lighter note, you guys, you know, you make it to Iowa City. What are some of your favorite place? I don't want to put you on the spot as far as your favorite places in the Big Ten because you probably don't want to leave anybody out. But like when you go to Iowa City, what are some of your favorite things to do or places to hang out, restaurants to eat? What 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 is it that Iowa City makes you think of? Well, I love Iowa City. Um, I and everyone who goes, it was interesting, like talking to some national media. We were there for the first time a couple of weeks ago, like that. Forty was on our show, and he was saying, "Matt, you know, he just had an unbelievable time there, and didn't really understand what a great town it is, a, and then how awesome Kinnick is." So, I mean, to to be there, to be in Iowa City is is to like it, and I I really enjoy it. As to where we go, uh, Joseph's uh, for steaks, really good, right? Um, mm. I've still never been to the uh, Iowa uh, River and Power. Am I getting that right? Okay. Never been yeah. there. Uh, I've really? heard that's really good. I go to the Hamburg Inn. I've probably been there, I don't know, half a dozen times. Um, I love that. Great little greasy spoon. Um, with all, I mean, I love all the campaign stuff that's there. I just think that is mm-hmm. super cool. Um, is. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say that those are probably like the the biggest places that, that I've gone through the years. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I think there's, you know, no lack of great restaurants and I, I love walking the pedestrian mall down there and um you know usually stay at the Marriott in Coralville a uh, really good hotel though I gotta tell you the phone service at the back of the hotel isn't the greatest you want the room <laughs> facing the front 
Uh, but but you know the fact that I'm I'm I probably spent I don't know rough estimate forty nights in that hotel. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. No, it's you crazy. Know it well. like, some of these hotels, uh, you know, I mean, I when we're in you know, we're on the bus tour. So we're there at least one or two nights every year, and then I'll go do a basketball game or whatever it is. So, yeah, I've, man, I know these towns pretty well at this point. Well, that's great. Well, Dave, we know you got a busy schedule and got a lot of things going on. We appreciate all the time that you gave us today, and we had an absolute blast talking to you. You had some great stories, and it was a ton of fun. So thank you so much. My pleasure, Adam, Jerry. Thanks a lot, guys. Really enjoyed well, it. And, and tell the team as well, you and Howard and Jerry, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you guys are basically the post game now for Big Ten fans, you know, and so it's it's a pleasure to watch. You know, you guys bring a lot of uh, information to us, and, I mean, you guys are the go-to. So tell, tell well, the team you. we really appreciate what they're doing. I'll, I'll say one thing. I was actually talking to one of my bosses today, and we were talking about um, the chemistry that that group has. And, and of course, Joshua's been unbelievable, too. It's really mm-hmm. fit in incredibly well. And part of it is just a function of spending a lot of time together. I mean, you guys think of that bus tour, right? So we do that in the preseason. Other than last year with COVID, we didn't do it. But so we've basically done it 14 times. It's about 18 days on the road. So, I mean, you guys can do the math here. That's more than a half a year we have spent together on the road touring the Big Ten. And that's, you know, that's before like the season even starts, right? So, I mean, I've probably spent close to a year of my life with those guys Uh, it's crazy right so we've gotten to know each other really really well and and they're two jerry and howard incredibly important people in my life and really good friends and again as i say joshua's fit in so seamlessly too but um i hope it comes across on the air how much we like each other and and the passion that we have for this league and, and for fans well, you know, since you guys always get to spend so much time together, make sure to not forget about the show that Jerry pitched for you. This whole podcast thing—it's <laughs> a gold idea. I told you. You know, if you guys if you guys threaten to walk if they don't do this show, I think that would carry some weight. I know you're not actually in charge of programming, but yeah, just come like on, we, Dave. We gotta have this podcast right. in in rival territory. Show. Podcast in enemy territory. <laughs> you know, season seven, episode thirteen. Yeah. Hey, if you need if you need original content, we're here. All right. All right, Dave. Thanks again. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Go Hawks. Take care. My pleasure. Yeah.